Oop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. The man that is joining us today from Vancouver, British Columbia native, yeah. earned a full-ride scholarship to Division I University of Albany, New York, where he also earned his degree, here it is, in human biology. After university, he pursued acting, which has led to roles such as Graceland, The Killing, Ransom, Firefly, Lane, and now is set to star in the season of Snowfall on FX. And I know there's a lot of FX fans out there. I'm one of them. And I just got to say this. Probably on, at least for me and my family, he is the top Power Ranger in the household, which I'm also going to say this, got the dopest theme song ever for Power Rangers. I don't think they've ever had. Yeah, yeah you're right. Man, that is the dopest theme song ever. Welcome to the show, Brandon J. McGarrow. I'm Will Gates. That's my dog. Arthur AG. Thanks for joining the show, Brandon. Before we get started, y'all, just on the front end, man, I got to tell y'all this, like, meeting y'all, like, even talking to y'all, like, you guys were so formative in my life as a kid. Your movie impacted me as a young Black kid who was an athlete in ways that, like, y'all could never imagine, man. There's a few moments mm -hmm. in your whole life where, like, your childhood self and your adult self collide in a way where you're like, yo, what? And this is one of those moments, man. So before we get into anything about me, I just want to give it up to y'all, man, because like, yo, y'all were some like legit heroes of mine. You know, what? To, when did the movie come out? What year? 94. I was four. I was 14, right? So I was in the thick of it, man. I was 14. I was playing soccer and just watching that movie, seeing people that looked like me, that was, you know, trying to like come up through athletics I grew up in a mostly white neighborhood. So like you guys were so representative for me, man. Me and my little brother. If my little brother knew right now who I was talking to, he'd freak out. So I just wanted to give it up to y'all before we go into anything. Cause like, yo, for me, my mind is like blowing all sorts of ways apart right now. We appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Well, you kind of already answered the first question cause I was going to ask you, when did you watch Hoop Dreams? I'll never forget when I watched it, man. I was in Toronto, Ontario, visiting my cousins, me and my little brother. I know I can remember exactly like the room we watched it in. And my older cousin, uh, he played he played basketball at a Canadian university, you know, and I was a huge basketball fan as a, as a teenager. I was more of a basketball fan than a soccer fan. I was just better at soccer. You know what I mean? And I remember he came home one day and he's like, yo, y'all need to watch this. And uh, I was 14. My brother might have been maybe 10, maybe nine. And we watched that shit probably about three or four times, like just back to back to back, man. Jaw dropped, mouth open, like, what is this? Right. I've never seen nothing like this. Um, and I've never really like watched something that made me feel like this. So B, it's safe to say it had an impact on you going forward. Me, my, my little brother, so my little brother also played, uh, he ended up playing basketball at a Canadian university too, but he had some D1 looks and stuff. So like, like just, just, Mm -hmm. The way y'all were pursuing it, you know, just getting like sort of like a behind the scenes look yeah. into like how competitive it is, how like how tenuous it is. Like all it takes is like one ankle or like or like one missed shot can change yeah. the whole trajectory 
of your f- career. It's wild. And like seeing that, like, and as and like as like a 14-year-old kid being like, yo, like, this is not a game. It's incredible to even hear you say that because I think for AG and I, we really didn't recognize that the movie was traveling worldwide like that. Like, you know, you know, we think in just the States. Yeah. You know. Hopefully we was like, man, the right people get to see the movie. Yep. But man, just to hear you up in Canada was like, man, me and my little brother, you know, our family, we watching this thing, man. That's I appreciate that. Be mean so much love. But again, this ain't about AG and I. This is about you, man. Our show is a little bit different. We want to know your hoop dream story. Sure, man. Give us your origin, man. You know, where did you grow up? How was life on the West Coast? My uh, my mom was from Trinidad. My dad's from Grenada. Um, so they met in Toronto. They moved out together to Vancouver, and that's when I was born. Um, mm. Me and my younger brother, and you know, we always grew up like sports was like always like at the top of at the top of the mind. You know, like me and my brother were like this. You know, what I mean, it was just like me and him like playing basketball. You know, like like out to like 10 p.m. in the dark. Like you know how it is, right? You and your little brother yeah. just like it was just like it was like me and him. We were like thick as thieves. Um, so I came up playing soccer, um, and I was pretty good, you know, um, this was like pre MLS, you know, so like there wasn't really like a pro Avenue. Um, so, you know, for me, like my dream was always just to play D1. Like that Mm. was it. Like I didn't really have pro dreams at like, as a kid, I remember like, you know, Saturday mornings watching, you know, Michigan and North Carolina play on ABC, you know what I mean? Like basketball and knowing that low, like I could play there but I could play my sport. I could play at that level, but play my sport. So yeah. that was always kind of my goal, man, as like a young kid. What was difficult was, you know, we're talking about the mid nineties. Right. And I'm talking, and I'm in Canada. So it wasn't like, there was no internet, there was no emailing. So to get, to get looks up there from, from D1 schools, it was next to impossible. You know what I'm saying? Was soccer the main sport in, in Vancouver? No, no. I mean, hockey is Canada, right? So hockey was the main sport. But my parents aren't trying to wake up at no five in the morning taking me to practice before <laughs> school. You crazy? Right, 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 right. Yo, I, my, yo, my younger brother has a great story because my younger brother tried to play hockey. He tried, He lasted like two weeks. And my mom was like, yo, Brent, you want to? You really want to do this? And you know when you're at your mom is at me, she's telling you, no, you can't do this anymore. Because right. ain't nobody trying to wake up at no five in the morning before school every day, you know? Wow. So yeah, so I kind of got into soccer. My brother, my brother was a really good basketball player. He was in like the Canadian like national under 20 program for a while. Um mm-hmm. so, yeah, soccer kind of took off for me, man. So like that was my main focus. And I always wanted to go do one. So like I, as a high school kid, you know, like I won a couple of national championships up in Canada, um, playing for mm. my provincial team. Um you know, we have a we have a thing in Canada called the Canada Summer Games. It's like the Olympics, but for Canada. And the mm-hmm. soccer team I, that I played for, the British Columbia team, was an under-19 team. And I made the team as a 16-year-old. So I was like wow. the youngest player in the men's tournament. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of tension that way. And I was able to parlay that into some D1 looks uh, uh, in the States. And I, I ended up choosing to go to Albany. How did you personally feel playing against older, older guys? I was always of the belief as a kid that like, if you can play older, you should. But I also Mm. think at the same time, it might stunt your development because, you know, when you're 16 playing with 18 year olds, 
you don't get to do you, you're just trying to survive you're in survival mode right yeah so you're yep, not you're absolutely. not you might not be able to develop if you're playing against your own kid your own age you're able to develop skills that are, are accordingly but once you get pumped up maybe too high you're just yeah. trying to like you don't you don't get to develop the same and yeah. uh so i don't know like what do y'all think about that about like playing up or playing like like a couple a couple years above your age me, I was kind of scared to play against older guys, like grown men. Right. You know, I always kind of waited till I got a little bit phys- a little bit stronger to play against them. But right. I know I can attest, Will, his his brother threw him in in the gauntlet. <laughs> He's thirteen yeah. years old playing against grown grown men. So Will, yeah. Well, I I think it it just depends on. Physically, because you got some of these kids, man, they look like grown men. So I can't imagine LeBron playing, you know, 15U when he was 15. I mean, LeBron looked like he was <laughs> 25 when he was 15. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do hear what you're saying. I think mentally, it it can it can yeah. wear on you because if you're not if you're not mentally tough, and and of course, and especially, and I will also say this: if they bringing you up because they're gonna teach you the game. Then that's a different aspect. But if they bring you up and you got some upperclassmen mad that you there, yeah. you're not gonna learn, man. You, like you know, right. like the stuff that you would try that you would develop against kids your own yeah. age, you yeah. don't do that when you play up, right? Yeah. You're just trying to like you're just trying to not to make a mistake, and you get into that mode, and yeah. then you just stop developing. And I think, and and then you know, and if your confidence gets broken, like that could that could mess a kid up. So I'm on the fence, man. I'm on the fence about about you know playing. But I was honored to play up, you know. Hey Brandon, let me tell you, that's how that's how we felt. I know my team when we played against William Gates. Now me and him both in eighth grade at the same time. Okay. But because his game individually was so surpassed everybody in eighth grade at that time he right. just he him and him and this guy named sam if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating mcdonald's canty just stood okay. above everybody else like you could just you just knew that they were better than everyone they was playing against so mm-hmm. his eighth grade dude he'll come in and give us an easy 28 30 points 20 i'm like damn this dude is good but i did enjoy playing up because i think if you can stand in there and you get and you can handle it yeah it really does prepare you into that national spotlight which that's what i want to ask you about man what what is the the national spotlight in Canada, because he oftentimes I hate to say this, but down here, man, in the States, we automatically assume that it's all one in the same. Right. What what yep. what what is the world of sports in Canada like? I mean, you know, it's it's as robust as it is uh, down here. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, like the national championships. So like we would have like provincial teams, which is like like the state team. Right. So, like all the best players in the in the province mm-hmm. be, they pick like the top 20 and then we all play each other for like the national championship and these are like massive events you know what i mean we'd be flying all over the country um we'd wow. also be going down to like the major u.s soccer tournaments like the surf cup in mm-hmm. san diego the, the the dallas cup these are like where like most of like the d1 schools recruit the top kids so we take like national teams down there um and i remember in my sophomore year in albany during the summer there was this guy in vancouver who put together like a team all across Canada, and his goal was to try to sell players to leagues in Brazil. 
Um, wow. Because, you know, soccer has a different system. You can sell players. It's not like they don't trade players. They actually sell them. Now, um, these teenagers, right? Yeah, I mean, we, were, we were the sophomore year. So this was like my – I was 18 years old at the time, right? My sophomore year. Damn. So I had the chance to go to, to go to Grêmio, which is a Division One team in Brazil. And, again, my mom was like uh, – Scholarship, uh, graduate, uh, <laughs> you're not going no place. Wow. You know I mean? And soccer is different that way, too, because the typical channels into into the pro leagues isn't college. Mm. So, you know, especially at that time. So, like, for you to play in Europe at that time in the mid-90s, you'd have to leave high school when you're 15 and go chase the pro league. Wow. And, you know, my parents being immigrants – and education being so important, they were like, Brandon, like, these are cool opportunities, but yeah. you're not leaving school at 15 to go in England. Cause like, yeah. you know, if you burn out in three or four years, you know what I mean? Like you need to get that yeah. education. And so that was always like in the back of my mind. And you know what, like in hindsight, like, and at the time I resented my parents a little bit for it. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all know, like not everybody got it like that. Like these opportunities don't come around to every every athlete when somebody Mm -hmm. says hey like Mm -hmm. your son's good i want to take him to england and you're like and your mom tells you no you're like mom like i don't know if y'all understand like how how special this is yeah but you know at the same time they want the best for their kids they're trying to protect you they don't know what they don't know either right they're just like you know like this is just my nose kid they're like you know like is grumpy all the time like they don't really understand i don't think they really understood the opportunities either so it was it was it was it was a lot of things going on I would think, I would think mom, your mom then was thinking like, damn, if my son is good at 15 to be able to, you know, somebody want him to go play on a pro club. Yeah, yeah. Honey, I want you to get your education first. You know, right. you can only get better from 15 to when you're 17, right. 18. Let's graduate high school and then see if they still, you know what I'm saying? If you still, if they still yeah. interested in you and you, and you that good now. With soccer too, during that time, like, that 14, 15-year-old age is the critical age where, like, the players in Europe just take off. And wow. so, like, if you don't go then when you're 15, you're not going mm-hmm. when you're 21. You're not going because, when you're 21. Like, wow. Yeah, because they're already in the pro system at 15, right? They're already, like, kind of, like, out of high school. So, like, Jesus. you know, they're, they're, not, they're not playing twice a week and once on Saturdays. They're mm. playing every day. Uh, you know what I mean? And so if you don't go, and it's a little different now because now the MLS is like a proper league and they have their own academies. But in the mid nineties, if you didn't go to Europe, you're not, you're not, if you don't go when you're 15 and and get in in with the club, by the time you're 19, these guys are way ahead of you. Um, so there was like a, it's like a real small window. Um, and so, yeah. And listen, I'm not mad. Like I chose, like, I still got to play my D1. I had a great time in college. I got my degree, um, and everything worked out, but uh, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time, um, especially like elected. Like, if your parents have never went to college and they don't understand the whole process, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard for them to guide you because like they don't know either, right? They don't know either. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you about. How how did you, particularly for some of our younger athletes, when your parents don't understand, right. you know, the importance of that, but yet in their heart of hearts, they're like, yeah. Son, one thing we do know is that education will open up any and every door, but you're pleading, mom, dad, this is the opportunity. You don't get this all the time. I just want to know how did you handle the disappointment of that and how did you move on from that? Well, I think what I did was I turned that into like really focusing on trying to get to a D1 school. 
Um, and this was all like self-driven as a teenager because like my parents didn't know the difference between D1, D2. They didn't know the, the difference between like playing at a, you know, a D1 U.S. school versus a Canadian school. So this mm-hmm. was all like self-driven. And like, also I'm up in Canada. We don't have SATs up there, right? So like mm-hmm. I would have to find courses on my own time in high school, separate from my full like normal school load to study for that specific test because that wasn't a thing, but I knew I needed that to get in. Um, so yo, man, like I was like maniacal about it. Like, and like, let me tell you, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yo, there's nothing stopping me. There's this company called, um, called college prospects of America or something. And it was specifically designed to try to get Canadian kids D one looks. I don't know if y'all know, y'all know Steve Nash, right? He came out of Victoria. Mm-hmm. I think Santa Clara was the only offer he got. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. That's right. I remember that. He got one offer to one D1 school in the U.S., and it was just Santa Clara. Like, if he didn't get that one offer, like, who knows what his career would have been? Right. And and he said that's why he took it. He said that's why he went there, because he had only got one. Because <laughs> there was no looks up there, right? And I think I think he went to school maybe maybe two or three years before I did. Mm-hmm. There was just, like, not a lot of opportunities. So, like, I would just kind of, like, did this thing as a 15-year-old. I was just out hustling, just like, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. I'm going to make it happen. And my parents were kind of like, all right, man, like, you seem like, you seem like you got a handle on this. Like, whatever you got, like, whatever support you need, you know, we'll fill in the gaps. Um, and so, yeah, so it so happened that uh, that it all kind of worked out. And with my resume and with a little bit of the tape that I was able to show, I got a couple of offers and I chose to go to Albany. Big time there, man. Wow. Now, what, what, what was dope, though, was I was able to impart all that knowledge on my younger brother, right? Because I already been mm. through the ring. Right. So I already kind of knew like what was up, what things to, you know, look for, what things to not look for, you know. Um, like for instance, like, you know, like the coach that recruited me to Albany, he got fired after my freshman year. If you're the coach that recruits you, uh, gets fired, like you're not like cause the coach, a new coach wants to bring in all his guys. That's right. That's you right. You know how That's it is, right? right? Will went I through that. that. You've been through that, right? Yeah, I've been through that. I mean, yeah, man, and it's wild. So, like, little things like that. That if you don't, you don't go. You're like, oh, like we're getting a better coach. He's like, yeah, but he might not have. He's not. You didn't. He didn't recruit you, so he might not have your best interest in mind. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. That if you haven't gone through it, you you wouldn't think of. But that's like important information. It's like tell kids who are like going through it in real time. You know what I mean? You know, don't yo don't go to a school where you think the coach might be on the out. <laughs> you right about that. <laughs> when the Grizzlies came out of Vancouver. We yeah. heard you was a ball boy. How did you get that gig? Um, so my mom was a banker in Vancouver. And there was a okay. guy named Trevor Thompson who was the announcer for the Grizzlies. Right. And I think he had just moved to Vancouver. So my mom was doing his mortgage. And I guess they were just talking. And he was like, hey, like, by the way, like, you know, like I don't know if you have any kids or anything, but we're looking for ball boys. And she was like, matter of fact, like I have a son. He's a huge basketball fan. He's 15. Uh, and that's how I got the interview. Get Just out like, of oh, here. Yeah. Wow. Nepotism <laughs> like a mug. Yeah. <laughs> you get the interview, give us your first day. Your first game. First day on the job. Man, I don't even, you know, I don't remember my first game because it was like, like as a 15-year-old, as a basketball fan, like, is there any better job? Like you get the gear, you get the jackets. You get the, you're on the floor, you're hanging out with the players. You're getting the free shoes, the NBA socks. You know how many socks I got, bro? <laughs> the the socks. <laughs> <laughs> you know 
Yes, no. yes, You yes, know how socks. dope you are in 10th grade when you show up to basketball practice with the NBA logo socks? With the NBA logo yes. socks. You was, yes. Yo, you killed it. You, you ruled the whole school, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, the warm-up jerseys. I can't remember my first day, um, but I do remember, like, you know, it's funny. I just went to the Lakers game last night. Um, uh, my neighbor has tickets, and I was talking about working in the NBA and, like, how formative that was. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Was for me, as mm-hmm. like a 15, 16-year-old kid, being in that professional environment, just seeing how the coaches move, the trainers move, seeing how the players move. Yeah. And then realizing like, yo, like, this is like the highest of the highest level. And this is across any yeah. high level industry, whatever business you are. There's a certain yeah. way that people move, right? There's a certain yeah. way that people conduct themselves. There's a certain consistency, a certain level of expectation. And that was such an education for me, man, because I was like, oh, okay, like this is like, this is how people in these spaces move. I need to start to like, to act in this type of way if I want to yeah. uh, be able to exist in these type of spaces. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, yeah of course you had a front you had a front row seat to to see elite life like through all spectrums and industries like yeah lawyers come to these games entertainment stars come to these games like yeah. you was able to have a front row seat and see all of this bro at 16 is there any better education i don't know man i don't know if there is you know what i mean wow. um, amazing cuz you see like you see guys at the top of their game I, i'll never forget this like like Anthony Peeler would like every day his warm up would be like five shots left side bank mm-hmm. like two feet from the rim five shots swish five, and then he move out two feet and just like that kind of like methodical like every day that routine you're like oh like these guys are like these guys aren't just coming out here just like just like chucking up shots these guys right. show up to court, to the court with a plan every day and every day they execute that plan and there's right. that consistency over time I'm like yeah that's like that's how you get to any any sort of high level position in anywhere. It's that consistency over right. time. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, so that was, that was, man, it was the best job ever. Is there a moment that you can share that you like happened as you were a ball boy, that some player, something happened that you still carry with you this day that you even still tell that story. Do you have one of those? I have a bunch, man. I don't know. How, I don't know if I could tell all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you one. I'll tell you one that's give, totally give us a PG one. Give us a P. A, a, P, a, a parental guidance. I love the kids. So I'm gonna give you a PG one. So do y'all remember when y'all remember when Dennis Rodman kicked the camera guy? Absolutely. Yeah. So the 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 next game after that, he was in Vancouver, and I was doing the mop underneath the basket. So this is like the next. So people were still talking about this because I think the guy sued him. It was a big thing. Right. So Dennis comes down the court. Goes for a layup, he falls down by me, right? So I get out of the way, and he gets up and he fakes to kick me because he just did. He just kicked the guy the day before, and I was like, "Not oh, Dennis, that's not funny." Uh, yeah, Dennis was yeah, Dennis was hilarious. So that was funny. Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. Crazy My story, goodness. man. Look, let's jump into your university, man. Let's jump into your university stuff, man. Tell us about up up, up there at Albany, man. Tell us, uh, uh, you know, that 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 culture. Was it a culture shock for you? Yeah, hell yeah. You know what I mean? I was from Vancouver. First of all, I was, like, on the other side of the country. 
You know what I mean? And uh, so it wasn't like I was like going home. I was going home maybe like once a year at Christmas. You know what I mean? Wow. That's it. You know, like Thanksgiving, I would stay there. Um, spring break, I would stay out there. Um, so, yeah, like I, it was good for me, though, because like I got real serious about my life. I remember my mom. My mom was like, yo, listen, Brandon, like this is you have four years to graduate. There's no like, oh, you screwed up a scenario, summer school. We can't afford that. Right. Like right. we're not, I'm not paying, we don't have another $20,000 for you to screw up and go for a fifth year. So like, get wow. your shit, you know, like, so I went, I went there with like my head down, like, like, you know, trying to get to the MLS and trying to get my degree in four years. Um, So that was good for me, man. Like, it's good to like, yo, when you get away from home, like you realize like, yo, you use a little less toilet paper because you know, you got to yeah. buy another <laughs> You know what I mean? Like little stuff like that. You're like, oh, okay. Like maybe I only need like two sheets today. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, yeah. So I got real curious about my life, man. Um, and it was good. You know, it was also like good for me, like as an athlete, like it kind of really sort of raised my competitive spirit mm. because, you know, everybody's dope where they come from at D1. Yep. Then yep. you get to D1 and you're like, oh, like, well, you're just as dope as me. Oh, right. you're dope too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you start to look around. You're like, oh, the room's a little more crowded than it was at home. What and, was that uh, campus? What was your campus life like? I mean, it was strict, man. Like there was no time because, like, you're playing. You got a full course load. You got study hall. You got weight room. Like what? every hour, every hour of the day was accounted for. You know what wow. I mean? And even in the off season. So in the off season, because our season was, we get there two weeks early. Mm -hmm. um, before school started because our, our, our season started like September 1st. And then in the off season, we get like the bad practice times because we're not in season. Right. So our practice would be at 4.30 in the morning. Five, yeah, bro. Five days a week. So 4.30 to 6. And then you got to go to class the whole day. Bro, I'm in physics lab. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was wild. Yeah. There was no time. There was Whoa. no time. Um, at the same time, though, like, I still wake up today at six o'clock and I run and I go like all those habits that like yeah. that started from college. I still live like that. And people think I'm a mad person. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, like that's, that's how I know to be. Like, I just know to be like, you want to get stuff done. This is how you do things. You, you know, Brandon, what I, what I, that, that's, that's the one thing I liked about college and me and Will always stress, Will, Will stresses this to his kids too, yeah. because Cause we we both was you know managing our time while we was in school and stuff, but you know we you know me and Will you know we grew up watching different world and all that, so we wanted to experience that college life. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> as much as as much time as we had left yeah. just in between a day, let me just walk the campus just with my boys, just yeah. just yeah. chilling here and there. But man, just that time I management mean, time. We had parties and stuff, but I guess like when I when I hear like like people who didn't play a sport, like they're like recount of what college oh, was. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, they got all not, the time. Yeah, we're not living in different <laughs> worlds. Like, you know, like when people put like, you know what I mean? So like, I don't want to say that like yes. I didn't have any fun, but like comparatively, nah, like not even close, you know? And you know, like the travel time and the buses up and down the coast and, you know, it, it was, you're busy, man. Like you're, it's a busy life. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you said that because you always got them people like, why are they here on scholarship? If they understood uh, bro, <laughs> what the hour. scholarship meant, 
they would it's a it's a different level. As a matter of fact, that's what I want to ask you, man. How did you I mean, because you studied biology. It wasn't yeah. like you went in there and took water basket weaving class. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, you, I graduated you, from Audi, man. Like I wasn't I wasn't oh, there. Oh my goodness. Around, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How how did you manage that though? Because we got a lot of, you know, kids, and even sometimes, you know, I even tell my own kids, man, I want you to also enjoy being the age that you are, because you only get to be that age for yeah. one year. How how did you balance that? Oh man, like I guess like for me, like I always enjoy like for me, like I prefer being good at things. That gives that gives me joy than just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. Like I get joy from like achievement. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's necessarily healthy. That's a that's another podcast with maybe some psychologists and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I don't know, but I can tell for myself, like that's what I enjoy. So like you know, I wanted to like, I wanted to make sure I started all four years. I wanted to make sure like I graduated with like the best GPA that I could. Um, and like I said, like I wasn't there to like mess around. Like my mom gave me that talk and I took that to heart. She's like, bro, we don't have like, there's no window of like, like, you know, like, oh, like I could look like a, you know, just kind of mess around. For, nah, there's no messing around for, there's no flunking out for a semester because we don't have the money to do this again. Yeah. Um, and so I took that like, you know, I, I took that to heart. Um, so yeah, as like I said, it's not to say like I didn't enjoy myself, but like you know, I was out there trying to like, I was out there like trying to like trying to like build a foundation for my life. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, and like a real, Absolutely. real like without to sound like I don't want me to sound corny, but like I was just trying to like sort of like build put in the building blocks of like how I wanted the rest of my life to be. And I think because I was so far from home that like I just really felt that I was like on on an island and like I had to make this work for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, of Absolutely. course. I, I think that's a great. I think that's a great mindset that you said that you had. Mm-hmm. You know, when Will asked, you know, how did you balance it all? And you was like, you know, you just want to. I just, I, I, I get excited from achieving things. So yeah. by you, I don't, I don't think that's a a, a bad thing for, from a psychologist standpoint. I think that's a great thing because by you thinking that way, you set yourself up always for something good first. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and if it don't at happen- At least no- to learn something, even if you fail, like at least to learn, right? Which is, which is like a win at the end of the day. Exactly. But if it don't happen the way that you envisioned it or it went through, you still know that you gave your, your first good foot forward and now I know what to change or do going forward next time. And it won't- Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. will be a hindrance, you know what I'm saying? So I think yeah, that's a exactly. great mindset. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate you. You're in school, handling your business. Yep. Taking care of business. Now you you at this crossroad. Mm-hmm. Pro soccer. Mm-hmm. Acting. When did those two merge? So I had I had started doing commercials when I was 12. I did my first commercial when I was 12. It was a honeycomb commercial. It's on my Instagram page. It's ridiculous. One of my favorite cereals. I, I, like, I, like, I like the slanted box and like I'm like doing the running man and stuff. <laughs> so like I always have like a side interest. It's ridiculous. I always had a side interest in acting. Um, you know, I was always involved in drama in high school. Um, but again, it was one of those things where like my parents were like, yo, you can't. You can't go to college and get a theater degree, like bro, like <laughs> you know what I mean. It was just not. It just wasn't. It just wasn't something that we talked about. It wasn't even something that like I I even like 
thought about. So I'm in I'm in college. It's my junior year. I haven't really acted since like my senior year in high school. And I started dating this girl, right? And she was in an acapella group on campus. And so one night I went to go see her sing. And like, you know, like, you know, as a, as a science major and as a soccer player, I go from the soccer field to the weight room to like the science wing in the university. I've never been to that side of the school. Like, <laughs> right. just, you know what I mean? Like, you know how it is. Like, you just stick to like your, your routine. So, man, I go to see her sing one night in like in the university theater. And I walked in and I hadn't been to a theater since like since 12th grade. And I sat there by myself, man. I'm not gonna lie, yo. Like I kind of got emotional, like because I hadn't been in like that space, like just really? being in the theater. Yeah, man. Like I kind of had like a little bit of like, like just like a little bit of like a like or, like or, like a little bit of like a breakdown. Like and I was like solo though, like watching her sing, and like I was like, yo, like I was like, this feels, it feels good to be here in this space. Mm-mm. And the next day, the next day, man, I was like, yo, I think like I think I gotta revisit this acting. Like, I think wow. something's something like it was so powerful. Wow. This is what I did. This is what I did. So I called the theater department. You know, when you're young, you don't know better. And like, you do yeah. some wild shit. That, like, I look back, I'm like, that was wild. Yeah. So I did. I called the theater department. I was like, yo, I was like, listen, I was like, I'm a, I'm a soccer player at the school. I'm a human biology major. But like, I want to, I want to take some, you know, some acting classes. But I was like, I, I was like, I done commercials. Like, I don't want to take no acting one of like, I want to take the junior level class. Right. And she was like, excuse mm-hmm. me, sir? Like, you know, like the head of the department. She was like, right. I was like, Yo, listen, I was like, let me audition for you. Just give me a shot. Let me audition for you. And and if and if you think I can, if you want, put me one-on-one, fine. But like, just give me a shot. So she was like, okay. She was like, well, meet me in my office next week. Have two monologues prepared. And so, yeah, man, I went in. I auditioned for her in her office. And then she's like, all right, man, yeah. She's put me in acting 300. Um, wow! Just like that. That's like that's like when you're like when you're young and dumb and you don't know no better. You just like right. you just shots. I know you went kind of crazy when she put you in when you did your thing, your monologue. And I want to ask you which two monologues did you do? But you she, but you went right into acting hundred. Yeah, yeah. But just because I I called her and I asked, you know what I mean? I was like, yo, just give like just let me let me prove it to you. And if and if you don't think I'm good enough, I'll take the L. But like, let me give me a shot and like. Her name is Marna Lawrence. God bless her soul. Like she gave me an opportunity, right? Right. She like saw that I was hungry, and she was like, "Yeah." So the next year, I got a lead in one of the plays, um, and as like a non-theater, as like a non-theater major, like they don't cast people outside the theater major in like the four plays they do a year. Um, and after that, I was like, "Yo, like let me like after I graduate, let me like let me try this acting thing for a year or two and see what happens." And here we are. You know, twenty some years later, man. I just gotta ask you this, man, and then then we're gonna get into this thing we call halftime. But okay, okay. I've been hearing this this thing come from you, man. You you go for it. You just yeah. you pursue it, and you you even called it ambitious. And even a few minutes ago, you was like, "I was just a crazy kid." But what what does that come from? Because I think every person wants what you're talking about right now, man. To take a chance on themselves. Where did you develop that at? I really believe, like, you know, I got really wanted to play pro soccer and I never I never got to. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that's probably one of the major disappointments in my life. Because like I know that when I went to college, like I I put my all into it. And yeah. there's like as a human being, it's very difficult to admit that you put your all into something and maybe you came up a little short. Cause everyone, you know, you know the mm-hmm. excuse guy, right? There's always the excuse guy in every room. Ah, oh, the coach this and I, I hate that guy. 
You didn't want to be that guy. Um, so that was really disappointing. At the same time, I think what I took from that is like, there's something noble in like giving your all in something and failing as long as you give your all and it doesn't kill you. You know, I feel like a lot of people think like, what if I give my all and I'm not good enough? And I learned that with soccer and I, and I learned that it didn't kill me. And in fact, I learned that like, I actually like doing that. And so I think I've carried that mentality into everything else. Um, because I know that like, if I give them my all and I fall a little short, it's not going to kill me. You know what I'm saying? And I, and like, and I feel like the moment you realize it's not going to kill you, it takes away all the fear, you know, cause people mm. are just feel that, oh man, like, oh, if I don't do it, like, what am I, what am I going to do? It's like, nah, it's like, then, then you could say you gave it your all and you move on, on to the next one. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I think that's where I developed that. I think it was through that failure that I was able to come out and be like, okay, well, what's, what's next? And like, what, what am I going to give my everything into next? And if I fail at that, I know it didn't kill me that time. It's not going to kill me another time. This weekend, the NBA is jam-packed with big games. Friday, the Nuggets and the Hawks square off, plus Steph and the Warriors visit Boston for a showdown at the Gardens. Saturday at the Garden, the Knicks and the Celtics battle, and later that evening, the Wizards head out west to Utah to take on Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz. And then Sunday, check out my Chicago Bulls with Levine and DeRozan battle LeBron and the Lakers in Chicago. And later on, the Hornets are in Phoenix to face Chris Paul, that dog, and the Suns. Listen, don't wait any longer. Head to my bookie today to redeem double your deposit bonus so you can get in the game and start winning big today. Remember, use promo code HoopDreams to receive double your first deposit instantly. No hassle, no wait. Remember, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag and place your bets. While you're out there, be sure to follow the Hoop Dreams podcast on Instagram and Twitter at OG Hoop Dreams and listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google and YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts at. Well, listen, Brandon, we got this thing we call it halftime. And we're going to ask you some, some questions, man, some quick hitters. But I just got to gotta throw the first one at you because <laughs> this ain't what I'm supposed to ask you, but I'm going to throw it out to, at you anyway. Right. So my first question for you is, I think, SPD got the toughest theme songs, but what are your top five Power Ranger opening themes? Yo, I'm going to pull a Dylon from uh, SPD, 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 <laughs> SPD, SPD. <laughs> top fire. There you go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love dope. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Hit him with another one, Will. Favorite city you lived in while filming? Auckland. Really? Where's that? We shot shot, uh, in New Zealand. We shot Power Rangers in Auckland. Is that where it was at? Yeah, yeah. So we we, uh, we spent like nine months in Auckland. It was incredible, man. And that was like my first, I was 25. And that was like my first kind of like big gig. And I got to travel and live in Auckland, New Zealand for nine months out of this world. Is there a director you like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Um, Yeah. Uh, David Fincher. Yeah, I love his movies. He's just he's just he's, slick. David is known uh, for, uh, you know, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, that's off the top of my head. Uh, Fincher is like he's a he's a king. Uh, he's just slick. Yeah. Okay. And how about an actor you like to work with? Oh, an actress. Uh, I love I love Tom Hardy, um, and I love Jessica Chastain. I think they're both like they're mm. both like high high level. Everything they're in, I just find them so watchable and so truthful. Um, masters, masters. Love it. Good, love good. It. All right. 
for the shoot one at you. Give us your favorite character you played up to this point. Dale Jakes, Graceland. Okay. Hundred uh, percent. Okay. Tell us a couple of shows that you're watching right now and why. I mean, I was watching Turner and Hooch. <laughs> this is, my show. is that okay? Can I say that? Absolutely. The new Ruby, the, the new uh reboot one, right? Yeah, yeah, the new reboot. Yeah, the yeah, new reboot. Plus. Yo, go check it out, everybody, if you haven't. Um, but you know, I haven't really been watching much TV lately. You know, I've been busy working on The Rookie and Snowfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading those scripts. And so, you know, when I'm having my downtime, I actually really like to watch food shows. You know what I mean? I'm a big foodie. So, like, you know, like, I love Dave, like, um, Ugly Delicious I've been watching a lot lately. Mm. Um, I, I just kind of like to get outside of the, the world that I'm in and, like, watch something different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but I had just started, when I booked the Snowfall gig, I started watching that. So I'm, like, the first two seasons into Snowfall. Have y'all seen it yet? Oh, yeah. Come on. It's wild. Come on. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Oh, man. Yeah. I will admit, man, I, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. But I am going to watch it. It's wild, right, Arthur? It's wild. Snowfall is off the chain. Yeah, it's that real, that's that real room. Give us your five favorite musical artists of all time. Ooh, of all time. Okay, Nas, Smith & Wesson. I mean, I got to say the Beatles because I love me some Beatles. I gotta say Bunny Whaler, because me and my dad used to listen to Bunny Whaler growing up, and that shit just had like an effect on my soul. And then maybe okay. I'll go like Nirvana or no Radiohead. Radiohead, those five. Radiohead, okay. Is there a role that you really wanted, but you didn't get? Yeah, man. I mean, there's a <laughs> yeah, man. Where do, you, where do you begin? You know, it's funny, like when I first moved to LA, you know, I had like a real hard like learning curve down here. Like I didn't like, I didn't work for about two years when I first got down here. This is like a different game, more competitive. But there's yeah. this one audition that kind of changed changed my perspective. And it was a role that I didn't end up getting. But I mm. kind of knew in the room that like, I knew that I would like, I could tell by the casting director's reaction that I was like, okay, like now I'm ready. And I didn't end up getting the part, which is ironic. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of things that you think you really, really want and you don't get, or like it's between you and somebody else. And you know, you're like, oh, Another second choice, you know what I mean? Nobody, you know, there's no second place ribbons. You know what I'm saying? Like, only one person gets to be on screen. Hey, Brandon, I can relate to you in that, in that, in that, in that rearm right there. Dude, I I, I, I went out uh, for this audition and I got called back. When you get called back more than three times, oh, you thinking like, oh, it's it's getting nailed down to the, to the final five or the final three. Mm -hmm. So it was Quincy 
uh, in the Love and Love and Basketball, Gina Blyforth's uh, movie. Okay, so okay. I, I get called back the fifth time. Oh man, this was like early two thousands. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I get called back the fifth time. Spike Lee in the room, Gina Blyforth in the room, and one of the other uh, uh, directors was in the room. So I'm thinking I'm, you know, got this joint right. I leave on a high. I ain't get a call back saying I ain't get it or nothing. I was mad as hell. You looking at your phone, you like, like you checking your phone playing? You're like, yo, like, my phone not working? Yeah. I'm like, two weeks it went by. I ain't got a phone call, nothing. So I, yeah, I talked to my agent. She was like, oh, yeah, Arthur, they, that's, how the, that's how the business is. They don't, if you don't get the part, they not going to call you and let you know you don't get it. They I'm just like, don't call. Damn, they just don't call. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, man, yeah. Hey man, let me tell y'all something. Y'all, y'all educating me right now, cause I'm, I mean, I'm just sitting there like, what? Yeah. Like, cause that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you get in the acting game? What's the steps and and, and <laughs> yeah, are you I have mean, to knock on the door. You get an agent, story, man. I have another crazy story. So how I got into it in my senior year in high school. I told you I was involved in a theater program in high school, right? Mm-hmm. So my drama teacher in in twelfth grade, Harvey Ostroff. What up, Harvey? Uh, he brought in a casting director. Uh, in like one, like one day, just to be like, hey, like, you know, this is what it's like in the real world. These are like what sides are. And she was like, hey, does anybody want to like read these? And of course I was like, I do. So I went <laughs> up and I read it with her. And she, and like the next day, uh, my my uh, my grade 12 drama teacher was like, hey man, he's like, so Suzanne like thinks you're talented. And she was like, you know, if you ever want an agent, like she said, give her a call. And at that time I was already like full, like I was going to Albany. Like I had all my, my life ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Cut to my senior year when I graduated Albany, I went back to Vancouver and I found that same lady. And I called her. What? I was like, yeah, bro. I was like, hey, Suzanne. I was like, this is Brandon. I met you four years ago at Johnston Heights. I read for you in, at the, and she's like, yeah, I remember you. And I was like, yo, you said if I ever wanted an agent, hit you up. So this is me, you know, four years later hitting you up. And she set me up with like three meetings like the next day. Wow. And it yeah. took off from wow. there. That's it, man. I still, I'm still with that same agent uh, up in Canada. I'm still with her today, and that was in this really? is in 2002. You're still with the same agent from 2002. That- now I have I have representation in LA now, but that was okay. my first agent up in Canada, and I'm still okay. with her up in Canada. Same girl. Wow. She was, you know, I was 22. I think she was like 24 at the time. Like we've grown up together, man. Yeah. That is crazy. If one wants to get into acting, what are the first three steps that they need to do first? Man, okay, that's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm going to preface this with, like, I don't know how qualified I am because I've been in it for so long and yeah. the game changes. So, like, mm-hmm. what I did in 2002 may not, not apply in 2021. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, the rules of engagement change. Um, that being said, I would be like, A, get into an acting class. That's number one. Yeah. Right? Like, nobody cares how good looking you are. Like, you know, you might be cute in your hometown. Nobody gives up. Get into an acting class. It's just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But it's yeah. just like, it's just like sports, man. This is a, this is like a craft. This is like a skill set that mm-hmm. has to be learned and developed um, yeah. over time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like every once in a while, you'll hear like a Hollywood story about so and so moves here and gets discovered. But ninety yeah. percent of the people out here who have a career that spans over, you know, any significant amount of time are really good at what they do. That's why they keep working. You know what I'm saying? So I would say, hey, get 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 some headshots and get into an acting class. And after that, 
everything else, you'll meet people who can help you along the way. But those yeah. are the two things. Um, because if you're not in acting class, you're not serious. And if you're not yeah. serious, this is not the business for you because it's just too competitive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. Man, that's yeah, amazing. Man. Again, I'm just like... That's it. That's the, that's the, those are like the, the foundational pieces. You know what I mean? After that, it's just all about that. If you're not doing those two things, you're skipping, you're skipping the main beats. Let me just ask you this question, man, when it comes to acting. And, and again, educate me because you and AG know. Do y'all have to know all those lines? Like, I mean, not, not that stuff one. is amazing. No, no. It's like, you just like got to learn what you got to shoot for that day. You know what I mean? Um, and that you also like, you shoot out of sequence a lot. So yeah. like, you know, like, you know, stuff that happens on, you know, in the 40 minute, 40th minute of the script, I'll shoot like a day before. So everything's usually out of order. So you just got to know what you got to know for your shooting day. Um, yeah. Unless you're doing like a stage play, then you got to know the whole thing. But in film and TV, you just got to know what you got to know for that for that day of shooting. I know that like a big reason like why I've been able to succeed in this business is because of the athletics. Because yeah. I treat this like like sports, like it's a muscle. It's a muscle. Mm. If I don't act, if I'm not acting on a regular basis, I get rusty. Just like if you're not if you're not shooting on a regular basis, you can't just not right. shoot for a month and go pick up a ball and expect to, you know, pick not. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. It's a muscle that you have to like, that you have to keep sharp, right? Or else it, right. it you you lose it. It's it's the same, it's the same, same idea. I, anyway, that's how I approach it. And that's just become from comes from being an athlete. So like I gotta be acting every day. I gotta be reading something every day. I gotta be doing something towards that that end every day or else when those opportunities come if you're not ready you know what i mean it might be another couple of years before these big opportunities come you know so you got to stay sharp you say you still deal with the lady in canada but you also have an agency in la i have an agency and a, and a manager in la so i have like three different people on my team so you know they uh they just they're just constantly talking looking for opportunities up there and down here um mm -hmm. You know, and they're great. Big up Ben Gorman, Buckwald, Laura, Becca, Steven. I got to mm -hmm. give them shouts out. Natasha, if they watch this, they won't watch it. But if they do. Um, but yeah, they work in synergy and they always have like the best interest, my best interest at heart. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we're in constant conversation about, you know, what the next project is, like if it's right, if it feels right, you mm -hmm. know, um, what platform it's going to be on. Um Cause like I like to do, I like to do different things. Like I like to like, I like to do a drama, and then the next thing I like to do is a comedy. Like I like to keep it, keep it balanced. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, otherwise, I kind of feel stale. Right. So we also try to like, I, I, but I also like to, you know, I also like, I also like to pay my mortgage too. So yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. So you got to keep a balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. I want to ask you this, man. Um, I'm equating, I'm hearing everything you're saying, how you use sports. So I know for me, man, when I was playing, I may try to act like I wasn't nervous, but I was nervous before games. Are you, right. were, are you nervous? Like, man, I'm going on a new set. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'll tell you a story. Like, so like when you're booking, like when you're, when you're, um, when, you, when you're going to audition for like a series regular role, they call it like a main character role on a show. There's a thing called the screen test, right? Mm -hmm. Where like the top three guys, you'll go into a room and they'll make you sign the contract for like five years while you're in the room. So like, wow. you know, you're going, I remember my first screen test, I'm like 27. I go in, I'm in Universal Studios. I go into the room, I see two other dudes that look like me. Uh, <laughs> like, and they're like, Here, here's your paperwork, sir. 
And like you're 27 and like you're looking at this contract and like, no, Mike, I'm looking at like the money per episode. And like my hand is like shaking, like literally because like you don't want to say like. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This could change your life. Yeah. And you have about two minutes, you walk into the room, there's like 15 people waiting. You do one scene, do the other scene, thank you, and then you leave and you wait. And then the other yeah. guy goes in, and sometimes you're waiting there for two hours. Yeah. And then, okay, everybody go home. And I only say this because I really believe that, like, my success in those spaces is because I was an athlete. That, like, mm. like that, like that, I have that mentality when I go into those spaces. Like, you know when you're about to play a big game and you're like, listen, like, I know, like, me on my best day. You know, like, you know, like, you know, like, when you're playing your best, there's nobody, they don't care where you are, nobody's stopping you. Right. And I have, I, 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 in my core, I have that, like, yo, like, listen, like, I'm ready to play, like, I might not win, but like I'm not. This moment's not too big for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 that just comes from that just comes from being an athlete and like playing in big games and in championship games where you walk into a situation and the moment's not too big. And that doesn't mean you always win, mm-hmm. but you do have this. You know, you got to have a little bit of like, hey, like let me and you let's see who's best kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? That is amazing. What was that? What was that first taste walking in to your first TV set and until your first movie set? Who? Um, so my first my first speaking role ever was on a was on a WB show. Remember the WB before yeah. it was the C network? Yeah, and it was called the Black Sash. Uh, mm. It was a, it was like a kung fu show where Ray J was on it. Really, I don't know if y'all remember that? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I and I had that. this is probably in like two thousand and four, and I had one line. It's my first speaking role ever. Right, and uh, and I remember I remember like walking on set and like I had like my little trailer and shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, like, it was funny, like, insignificant at the time. But to me, I was like, oh, like, okay, like, I'm making progress. Right. You know what I mean? Like, to me, like, that one line, I'm like, okay, well, I said I was going to come out here to do something. And, like, I'm doing it. And it's mm-hmm. incremental. But, like, it's something to, it's something to like, keep me going. You know right. what I mean? Maybe I'm onto something here. And that just, like, led me to... Like to take more classes and to wanting like bigger parts and bigger parts and you know and and eventually that that kind of happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm telling you, Brandon, you are, you are educating me, man. Uh, how how do how what's like a typical day to like? Give me like the behind the scenes aspect of it. You know, timelines for each show. How does all that stuff work? Well, it depends, man. Like, this is why like, I love the job. It's so dynamic, right? Like, every day is completely different. So, like, sometimes sometimes you're in the whole day. Sometimes in your, you're in every scene of the day. So, like, normally they'll, they'll film, like, 12 pages of dialogue a day, right? So, like, one page is, like, an hour worth of shooting. So, they say, like, 10 to 12 pages. So, sometimes, like, I'm only in one scene that day. Sometimes mm-hmm. the scene's only one page. So, like, I show up at three, I'm done by six. Sometimes I'm there at four in the morning and I don't get off until six at night. So every yep. day is different. It just depends on what they happen to be shooting that day. Um, so yeah, and yeah, and it depends on like your role in the show. If you're one of the main characters, you know, you're going to be there all the time because you're in most of the scenes. You know, if you're just like a recurring character, you're only in like three or four scenes an episode, 
You know, mm-hmm. you might only work like two days an episode for like a half a day. So yeah, yeah. It, it all it all really really depends. There's like no like one sort of like typical day. So Turner and Hooch is the show that I just finished that just came out on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So both my parents had speaking roles in two different episodes. What? On the oh, show. yeah, nice, like, nice. For me, man, like that was incredible. Yeah, Get, yeah, yeah. I got are both, you serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my, I think my mom's in episode five and my dad's in episode nine. Oh, um, I'm on it tonight, man. man like, I'm on it tonight. Just to like circle back and give them like to be able to to like to be able to like have something on record forever yeah. that like I'm in that like my mom and my dad. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's special, man. So that's really really dope. Did they enjoy that experience? I'm sure they did. I mean, they were like beside themselves. You know, like they were both retired, um, and you know. So like that's kind of like what they do on the side, it's like a little hobby for them, right? They ain't got nothing else to do, and and so mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'm like a main character on the show, so I was like, yo, like let's try to like see if we can get y'all in there, man. It was special, yeah. Yeah. And I know we're talking about acting, man, but I, I'm I'm glad you brought your parents up because you 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 brought them up a couple of times. Just share for our audience, man, what your parents mean to you. I mean, look, man, like I'm 41, and I still I still am trying to make my parents proud. You feel yeah. me? Like, I don't know what that is, I, but that didn't go away. You know what I mean? Like, I still, mm-hmm. I still want to make them proud of me. You know, I, mean? I still have this thing where, like, I'm still trying to like prove myself. Um, right. Just, hey, like, yo, see, guys, like, I'm out here, like, I can do. You know what I mean? Like, you still have that little kid yeah. inside you that's still trying to like make your folks proud. Um, and like I said, like they've just done right by me, man. Like, they've done right by me my whole life, me and my younger brother. And um, yeah, so like to be able to like be in a position where like you could do anything for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anything like kind or whatever. Like it's just it just makes just makes it all kind of worth it. You feel me? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, man. It's nothing like parental support. Yeah, and then be able to like pay it back in any kind of way. Like that's <sighs> that's like the ultimate full circle. You know? Hey, let me ask absolutely. you this: Did you yeah. did you did your mom them finally like apologize or say about? You want to go into acting? So now you then blew up into this actor <laughs> and they then came in like, son, you done did it, baby. Like, I they apologize. You're right. You, yeah. you had, the, they, you had they, the right chops. Yeah, they were like, you know, and like, we've had talks about that too because like, you know, like I hold a grudge. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm a grudge holder. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Me too. Right? You know how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. forget. I never forget, man. And so we've talked about that and like, you know, we've come out on the other side being like, they didn't know either. Like they didn't right. know what they didn't know. And like, so like, I think when they heard that, they're like, Hey man, it's like, you just got a degree. You have a bachelor of science. You want to do what? And you know, and I think too, they're like, well, it, in their minds, they're like, well, if you're not Tom Cruise and what, like, what is this acting stuff? Cause they just didn't know, you know? Right. Right. And so like me having this career has been an education for everybody in the mm. field. Wow. Um, so now they understand it acutely. And they were like, hey, man, we just wanted your best interest in mind. And I told them, like, mama, you, mom, dad, you know me, man. Like, I don't do anything half-assed. Like, if mm. I say I'm going to do something, do it. Um, and, and I love to prove somebody wrong, man. Like I said, I'm a grudge holder. Yeah. I love to prove somebody wrong. And like, hey, whatever, whatever it takes to motivate you, use it. You know what I'm saying? If I was you, I'd be like, hey, mom and dad, I need I need at least two and a half percent out that turning a hooch check. <laughs> it's called it's called the finder's fee. The that's finder's right, fee. That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. So speaking of your acting, man, tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing. Snowfall yep. is coming up. 
Break that yeah, down so for us. I, I'm doing the rookie right now. So the rookie, I play this like really, I play this like this crime boss on the rookie. I think I'm in a, the new episode coming out this Sunday. Um, and then I just started shooting Snowfall like two months ago. Um, mm. I play like this crooked cop who, uh, you know, Snowfall is about the 80s crack crack epidemic in yep. L.A. Mm-hmm. So I played this crooked cop in the crash division, which was like one of the most corrupt divisions in the LAPD. Um, right. So I'm on like both sides of the fence with this character. And I, and I got a, a crack addiction and a failing marriage. And it's wild, man. So I'm having a yeah. great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the coolest roles I've ever done. Well, Brandon, let me tell you something, man. This has been an amazing, amazing, amazing interview. But AJ and I heard something about you, man, and we just want to know if it's true. And uh, if it is true, did you got to give us a little something, something that come with it? We heard that you got some rapping skills. I mean, so, yeah, that's another thing that, like, me and my brother had just started doing a couple years ago. So, like, my brother is a very, very good rapper, you know what I mean? And he was actually trying to make a music career and it kind of fizzled out. And so he went to go, you know, he now, now he's like a, a, a professor at a junior college out here in L.A. Wow. So a couple Christmases ago, I was like, yo, Brent, like, let's just like make some music together and like see what happens. And so we've sold like four songs to like different TV shows. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we have our we have our music and TV now. Like, again, this is just like, like what we were talking about before, just like doing stuff and not being afraid and like just seeing what happens. And like, so yeah, man, like we have, yeah, we've, we've sold four songs. Uh, you know, we're, we're out in the, we're out recording some more stuff over Thanksgiving. And I like just kind of, this thing literally just happened out of nowhere, man. We're just like, we decided to do it one day and, and like, you know, we, we, we sold a couple of like, not a lot of people can say they have their songs in television and we have four. You're right about so, that. You got a line for us? Oh man, I'm like, come on, bro, you can't do that. <laughs> so you gotta we can't give do us a line, too, man. man. You gotta you, give you us can, a line. You can, play, you can play the music, but maybe over the top of the intro, I'll send you some songs. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, man, this has been an incredible interview, but my dog got one final question for you because we know you got to get up out of here, man. It's been a true blessing for me. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking to the Red Power Ranger. This is like next level, man. But my dog got one final question for you. All right. Brandon J. McLaren, what is the next chapter in your hoop dream? The next chapter, man, is moving behind the camera. You know what I mean? Uh, it's developing. It's starting to have a little more agency over my, like, like the roles that I have and like the stories that I get to tell, the stories that I want to tell. Um, so, yeah, the next chapter, it's, it's focused. I'm working on it currently. And it's, it's on that development side. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's that's like sort of like the next natural progression. And uh, and so that's what I've been like really, really focusing on. So hopefully, man, in a couple of years, maybe we could circle back and I could talk about maybe some shows that I've created that I have on the air. That would be incredible. Ooh. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. Know I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle, earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all for going there again. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreamin', trying to fight against a sealed fate More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha A.G. I'm box office and one day they gon' have to pay me Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreamin', trying to fight against a sealed fate 
more faith. Think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office in one day. They gonna have to pay me. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreamin', trying to fight against a sealed fate More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me Yeah.